it's awesome to be together here, and I'm so grateful to be able to uh, see all of you. We have a treat for you today. Uh, Vivian is going to be sharing her story as a part of my lesson today, and I heard it in uh, in Kids Kingdom, and I was I was moved to tears. Uh, it was pretty uh, pretty awesome. So. If you don't like what I'm saying, just let know that you're going to really like her sharing, and uh, it's going to be really good. Uh, but we have been going through a series of Jesus uh, having personal contact, personal relationships with people, and his interactions with individuals that have changed their lives, and uh, it's, it's been amazing to, to, to see that. And today the title is Get Close to Jesus. And so wherever we're at in our walk with God, that's the challenge for all of us to get close to Jesus. Right. If you can get to Jesus, you're going to be okay. Amen. Nobody that's gotten close to Jesus has been bummed out and felt like, man, it wasn't worth it. The effort that I took to get close to Jesus, that was a waste of time. You never hear somebody say that. But I was asking some people earlier, what are some of the signs that you're drifting from Jesus and you're not close. You know, and somebody shared that they, when they get ungrateful, they know that they're not close to Jesus. Somebody else was sharing that when he's at work, that he can start falling into the gossip that's going on around him and kind of going back to his old ways and not noticing it. And he realizes, man, I'm not I'm not close to Jesus. I know for me, when I get not close to Jesus, I start getting stressed out and I start snapping at all the people around me. Right. So I don't know what it is for you, but wherever you're at, you can get close to Jesus today, Amen. that you can take time to be close to Jesus. You know, uh, my first point is Jesus wants to forgive us. That that was his heart. That was the most important thing to Jesus. He decided to leave the comforts of heaven so that he could forgive you and that he could forgive me. That was worth the trip. And we're going to read about a man who finds this in an extremely unique and special way in Mark chapter 2. If you could turn over there with me. We're going to read about a paralyzed man. It says, a few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. You know, that he didn't just preach whatever he thought or whatever was going on in the day. He said he preached God's word wherever he went. That's why people came to see him. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven 
or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He, took his mat, he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying that we have never seen anything like this before. I mean, what an amazing church service, a time that they never forgot. It wasn't just a normal thing. They didn't just come to church that day. I mean, something radical happened in this man's life that affected everyone, even to the point where they said, we have never seen anything like this before. Now, kind of the backdrop of this whole situation is this is after Jesus was just driven out demons from a man and he was healing people everywhere he went. He was healing people so much that Mark 135, the scripture that many of you are familiar with, where Jesus went up early before the sun to have his prayer time and the guys come to him and say, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. And he said, no, I, I got to go I didn't come to do this. I came to preach. I got to go somewhere else. That he was actually healing so many people that he had to redirect his ministry because, you know, he was healing so many people. And people were coming to him from everywhere to be healed. And he had to say, you know what? That's enough of this. I got to go preach the word because I want people to be forgiven too. You know, I wish that was our problem. You know, that we were just serving the poor so much that we woke up one day and said, you know what? We serve the poor too much. I mean, we're just, we're going crazy here. We got to remember that we came to preach the word. You know, unfortunately, that's not my problem. And knowing a lot of you, that's probably not your problem, but it was Jesus' problem. I mean, people were amazed at all the things that he was doing. And this is the beginning of when Jesus, this is his first public conflict with the religious leaders. And in the next couple of chapters of Mark, he just is fighting with them left and right, and that continues on. And by the end of chapter 3, for the first time, they, they got together and figured out, how are we going to kill this guy? So that was the, the backdrop of this situation, that it was kind of the, Jesus just blew it up and changed this guy's life in an amazing way. But I want to focus on this. He says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. I mean, it was, and a lot of you, 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 you've read this story before in your campus Bible talks. This is like one of the go-to scriptures, right, about getting to Jesus. So that they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. They, they, Everyone was telling them you can't get in, and they had just figured out a way to get there. And, you know, the mud coming down on everyone and all the leaves and everything falling on the heads of the people in front of Jesus, which, not to be ignored, that those were probably the religious leaders, right? Because they wanted to sit up front in all the best seats. So as they came down, they got all this stuff on their robes and on their heads, And Jesus didn't care about all that, but the one thing he did care about was the faith of these four guys. That he didn't even wait for them to say anything. That he just forgave the man. He initiated to forgive the man without him doing anything. A lot of times he heals first, and then he 
forgives later or he heals and he says, well, go repent or something worse is going to happen to you. Or he he heals and say, you know, uh, go leave your life of sin. I mean, he just skips all that and goes straight to forgiving him. You know, in this situation. And I was thinking about it in the New Testament. In, in the Gospels, I don't remember any stories where Jesus rejects someone because they came to him. True. Not one time when he come, they come up to get healed and Jesus sends them away. He says, you know what? Forget it. I'm done. No, it says he would heal all the sick. You know, and you might be thinking about the rich young ruler. He got sent away, but Jesus said, all you got to do is this one thing and you'll be in two. So you will never be disappointed if you get to Jesus, if you get have to push people out of the way to get to Jesus, if you have to cut through people's roofs to get to Jesus, if you have to step out in uncomfortable ways to get to Jesus, you'll never be disappointed. You know, last week, Herman shared the story that he gave up one job to take a job where he got paid less because he didn't want to interfere with church. And just how God blessed him and he got a raise and everything. You don't hear people saying, you know, I stepped out on faith and God just cut me down at the knees. Right. You know, I took a chance and God just hung me out to dry. You know, but if you never take a chance, then you never have a chance to catch Jesus' attention with your faith. Right. If you never step out, if you never break the status quo... Here it is. You never get noticed. If he didn't do that, he would have went home the same way he started. And sometimes we expect something to happen, but we don't have the faith to push everything out of the way to get to Jesus. You know, I'll be open here for a second. Say Example here, we're, we're going to the event Friday night with the Middle East uh, leaders, Mufid and Jesse, Sammy and Fadia. And we're praying on the way, you know how you always pray before you go to church things. So we're, we're praying and, and I, I, it just came out, you know, one of those prayers. I'm just like, God, I don't even want to go to this thing. I am exhausted at the end of the week. I got to be at the mother-son thing at 8 o'clock in the morning. You know, then I'm going, I have something going on later on, and my, my weekend is packed. I don't want to go to this. You know, so we're praying, and I'm going, right, because I'm paid. <laughs> right? I got to go. I don't have a choice. You guys have a choice? I don't have a choice. I'm going, right? They came all this way. I got to be there. <laughs> and so I'm just laying it out. You do the same things, but you don't go maybe because you're not paid. Right? And so as Mofid is sharing his stories, I just start like weeping. Not, not a lot, just a little, but for me that's a, that's a weep. I mean, you know, if it comes down the face, that's a weep. Come on, Ramsey, right? I mean, that's pretty good. And I, I was just thinking to myself, like, why am I weeping? Why am I crying? Why? I didn't know at the time. But I was just like, wow, something's happening. I don't really realize. I don't know what it is. 
maybe I wasn't uh, exactly the most spiritually sharp place when I got there. Obviously, I didn't want to be there at first. And just praying about it. And as they were sharing that they got together and they decided, okay, what we decided is uh, you got to go back to Syria next week and uh, go visit the guys that got kicked out of the other city and they got their church burned down and then they went to Aleppo and now you got to go over there and, and visit them. And they were like, oh, that's so great. We're going to go do that. And I just was thinking like, wow. They're, stepping, they're really stepping out in faith. And I'm having a hard time just getting to the Civic Center Park. And I remember just being amazed at their faith. You know, and Mufid said one thing that I can't quite shake. Uh, he said to pray for challenges. He said, pray for challenges. You know, I still haven't done it yet. But I, I know that it's in there. You know, maybe I might get to that. But just pray for challenges. He started sharing the story, and some of you were there, and you heard it. Some of you didn't, but how he was going back into Egypt, and they didn't let him back in, right? You remember that? We were praying for him, and his wife and kids went in, and he wasn't allowed. And he shared the rest of the story was that they were in Egypt, and he was having health issues. You know, he had a 40% blockage in one of his arteries. And so he was having health issues. And the health system in Egypt is not very good, so he was, they were struggling, but they were committed to staying there even though the health system was horrible, and they could just go back to Jordan. I mean, go back to Lebanon, where it's like the U.S., health care-wise. But they, they were determined to stay there to help the church, and they refused to go back to Lebanon on their own, on their own decision. And so that when they were coming into the country, they had previously prayed, you know, whatever you want to do, God, but you got to do it. And so when he got rejected from Egypt, they saw it as an answer to prayer. You know, we are praying about this. And now God is just saying, hey, it's time to take care of your health. And so we're all freaking out. And they're like, oh, okay, this is an answer of prayer. This is what we were looking for. And then he shared that, uh, you know, then his wife stayed there for another three months. And she came back about a month ago. Uh, Long story short, he was saying that in the time that they were in Egypt, they got to restore these three couples that were previously leaders in the church that had fallen away from God a long time ago. And so that when, when they went back to Lebanon, those three couples were now leading the church in Cairo. And so it was that context that he was saying to pray for challenges because that's what God was doing. Through this challenge, through their faith, he was raising up leaders in Egypt that now the church is taken care of and they're back and can get their own needs met health-wise and and be with the church back in Lebanon. So that was the context of praying for challenges. You know, let's pray for challenges. Let's not just pray for challenges, but let's pray for God to show his power through our challenges. For him to show ourselves, for him to test our faith and prove it genuine so that we can truly have the the kind of faith breakthrough that these guys had. And that 
in a modern way, Mofit and Jesse had. So next time that you don't want to go to something, maybe God wants you to go. Maybe he wants you to push through. Maybe he wants you to do the right thing and let your emotions catch up and not live your life based on how you feel. And me too. I'm not saying you have to go to everything all the time. You need to get your rest too. But there's, we become so accustomed to living by our feelings. Can I be honest with you guys? We're going to come here Wednesday night and 40% of you won't be here. That we have a church within a church if we're really honest. Because some of us live by how we feel and others of us live by seeking first the kingdom. But we don't just do it with that. We do it with giving too. 25% of you don't give at all. See, we're, we're becoming a church within a church. Can I be, we can be honest, right? That's what we're here to do. Right? It's not just have a good lesson, go home and feel good. I mean, if we, we're here to be honest. You know, but it, it's not just that. It's, it's discipleship times two. It's one another times. How many of us really get together every two weeks and encourage one another and have a committed relationship where we're actually concerned about the other person and they're concerned about us and we pray together? See, there's, a, there's, a, there's something bigger going on than just the service here. There's something bigger that Jesus was doing than just healing that one guy. He was changing the system. He was changing hearts. He was confronting legalism and selfishness and tradition and whatever else. Kind of like Mofid was doing Friday. For me. So why is it so hard to come to midweek when this guy's going to Syria? It's so hard to give when we're trying to, they're asking for money because they have six interns that they're ready to hire, but they don't have money to be able to do it. And, and they feel so bad asking because it's just weird dynamic, but that's their heart is just, hey, we need money to save souls. You know, pray about that. We need a breakthrough. We need a faith breakthrough that will lead to our actions, that will lead to a heart breakthrough. You know, this week we have an opportunity in a small way to have a a faith breakthrough. We have a chance to be like those four guys. And make every effort to help as many people come next week as we can. Amen. You know, that's why we're here. You know, I was looking back on our, just in the year, and for the 25th anniversary service, and I don't know if you're a numbers person, if you're not, it's okay. We basically had 360 people to church that one week. You know, like, look around. Look around. Look around. Okay, in this room, we have about 140. 
So we had 360 people to church because everybody had faith. Everybody was reaching out. Everybody was making every effort to get their friends here that they knew. If they come to this, they're going to be impacted. They're going to see love. They're going to be changed. You know, um, but not just to pray that they'll come to church, but that they'll come back. That they'll want to get deeper with God. That they'll want to give their life to God. That they'll want to understand the scriptures. That they'll want to surrender their lives like Shannon was talking about earlier. But what an opportunity we have in this next seven days. You know, Ramsey told me a story that really encouraged me. He said he was in Starbucks on El Paseo. And somebody in here put an invitation card on his windshield. I don't know who it was. Anybody do that in here? Well, the Lord put an invitation on his uh, windshield, and I was just so encouraged that, man, somebody has it on their heart to that degree where they're just putting it on windshields. I bet Jesus saw that kind of faith. Nobody told him to do it. I didn't know what was going on. But that was their heart, and that was their faith. And I'm excited for next week. It's going to be an amazing time. And I, I, I plan on having that kind of faith, pulling out all the stops, talking to everybody that I can in my phone. And I already sent out a lot of invitations. I already went around, started going around my neighborhood. I'm doing a, a food drive to just try to meet the neighbors, help the needy, and tell them about the Harvest Festival. It was so awesome. Because I need to be good at that too. I need to, I want to serve the poor and I want to help people know Jesus. Anyways, Jesus was about their forgiveness. And I pray that we can be about other people's forgiveness. Now I'm going to have uh, Vivian come up and uh, she's going to share some of her story with you. Um, I think it's really super important for us to all share our stories, and I know that we all have a story. And I was really inspired by the sisters, um, Dora, Blanca, uh, Lacey, and Perla, when they shared their stories. I felt so connected to them. I felt we are not that different. I felt like we have so much in common. And so I'm hoping that I can um, help you guys to understand me a little bit better. Um, I really don't like to look back because it's traumatizing. It's, um, it's ugly. And part of that is not my fault. And a lot of it is. Um, God all along has helped me to fight for righteousness, and I so appreciate that. I think that's one of the things that I'm so grateful for. Um, so a little bit about my background. Um, I was born to a very young couple. My mom was 15 and my dad was 16. So uh, my dad was an immigrant from Mexico. 
he, of course, being so young, couldn't get a job. They'd get jobs here and there, but fast, easy money was selling drugs. And so he became very wealthy selling drugs. And um, with that came a lifestyle that was not conducive to children. Um, I have three younger brothers, and so we were witness to a lot of things that children shouldn't be around. And so um, eventually that broke apart. They got divorced, and I went to live with my grandmother at about nine. I was eight or nine years old. And uh, I think the thing that hurt so much is I was confused, not so much that I was missing my mom, but I wasn't there to protect my brothers. Um, I'm the oldest, and so I was kind of like the second mom. And um, because I wasn't there, I think that's where a lot of insecurity and and, um, anxiety came. Um, So that was my foundation early on. And so becoming a young mom, I didn't really know how to be a mom. Um, I was definitely grateful for my grandparents, but, um, you know, they were much older. And so as a young mom, I struggled with um, knowing, you know, I didn't have an intuition about what to do or what was right. Um, my mom was very free-spirited, and I, and I knew I didn't want to be that way. I wanted to be structured. Um, She was someone I didn't want around my own children. I didn't want her to have an influence on my kids. And oddly enough, my daughter adores her because she's fun. She's a fun person to be around. Um, I was really hurt by the neglect early on, and it influenced how I live my life today and a lot of what I do and how I make my decisions. As a young kid, I I felt unprepared to be part of the world, I didn't know how to play with other girls my age. My brothers and I were often dirty, um, lice-infested, and other kids don't want to be around kids like us. So it was, we were, even teachers really didn't, I felt that rejection from my teachers. Um, Oddly enough, today I'm a teacher, and yeah, it's funny how God works. Um, I had a very difficult time forgiving my mom. And I, I shared earlier that there were moments of clarity where I felt like, okay, yeah, I forgive her. But then, you know, I had this something in my heart where um, I hadn't 100% forgiven her. And so um, one of the things that was, because she would continually hurt me. It wasn't just in the past. I didn't wanted her there for the birth of Isaac, my firstborn child, and she didn't show up. And that time was never going to come back. And so that was very, very hurtful. Um, I did everything to avoid her. And then, God, the way that he works, um, my mom had a heart attack in 2010. And when she came out of it, she wanted to live with Chevy and I. And I uh, reminded her that we do not live the same kind of life. And we live a very different life. And if she was willing to change her life to accommodate, 
to be part of our family that we would we would love to have her. However, um, I didn't have faith that she would last a week, but God did. Um, she got to a point where she was able to apologize to me and my brothers for our upbringing, and um, it was so weird because I didn't even realize that she was capable of understanding all that she did, but she did, and she I, I got a heartfelt apology from my mom, which meant everything. She went through CR. She was part of the women of faith and loves them still to this day. She became a disciple. She was a faithful disciple. Eventually, though, her her walk with God faded, um, and she ended up having to move out. Uh, Earlier this year in February, she had a stroke, and um, it was my job as the oldest to take care of her. And, And God had changed my heart in a way that I still don't understand. I enjoy taking care of her today. I look forward to my time with her. I feel jealous for time with her. I have to share her on the weekends, and um, there's times where I feel like, no, I, I want her with me. Um, I, I sit with her to eat, and I, I enjoy it. I really do. I've been able to forgive my mom. Um, and God, God's only one that was able to provide that healing. It's a, really a blessing that she's still even alive, um, and it's a blessing that I've been able to forgive her. So fast forward to today, I think um, a couple of things I want to share is that I've had a journey, and I've, you know, Scott talked about the uh, paralyzed man who had to be taken to Jesus, and there have been many times where I've had to be taken to Jesus. I've been the paralyzed person, and then I've been the friend to the paralyzed person. Um, I have battled with my health, um, fatigue, and not understanding why I wasn't feeling strong or why I was tired all the time, headaches. I was diagnosed with having lupus and um, severe food allergies. So I had that was a whole other journey, um, having to start working out and learning about food and what organic was and that's not something that our culture really has, you know. Um, working out was a whole different thing. That was a whole different beast. I never wanted to go into a gym, but I was able to find some friends that helped me love it, and I do. I really love working out now. I've lost, I fluctuate between 15 to 20 pounds since June. Um, and... You know, a lot of my insecurities that I've had in the past have turned into victories. Um, I'm getting stronger, I think, spiritually as well. Um, In my work, I feel settled. I love my job. I get to work with people that are amazing. Um, I get to see my nieces and nephews every day. And, you know, I was sharing earlier that if I had somebody that loved me in high school, my entire life would have been different. So I'm just so grateful I can be there for the kids. It, it really does mean everything. And I was there when Isaac and Maya were there too. We have TBT on campus, which is a light in the darkness. 
to hear a child read God's scriptures at TBT is just, it's just amazing. If you guys ever get a chance to stop in or visit a TBT, you should. It's just, it's amazing. My kids were empty nesters, Chevy and I, and um, it's something that we had looked forward to for so long. But when we dropped my off at college, I was pretty devastated. It was, it was, a, it was a time for me. I, I felt like I couldn't breathe. Um, and forever we joked around about how, yep, you know, let's pack your bags early. Let's get you going. And, um, but when that time came, it was pretty hard. It was a whole life adjustment for us. Um, I have to trust God all over again with my kids. Um, I have to trust that God knows what he's doing, and I do. But it is hard to let go. Sometimes I have some really bad dreams. Um, But I'm very aware of the spiritual battle. Um, But there's also victories, too. Juan got baptized, which was amazing. Yeah. So, you know, over the years, I've had many, many people take me to Jesus and um, one of one of those people is my husband, and I think it's you know it's ladies it's so super important to have a spiritual husband, and husbands your wives really need you to be there for them. Um, Chevy MJ, she um, she helped me in so so many times. Um, Stephanie Burial, um, Quincy Doherty. I remember praying with him. Um, there was a situation with my mom, and I just I, w- I was beyond um, consolable. And he had the wisdom and the faith to be able to carry me that day. And bro, I'll never forget you for that. Um, Feli has really helped me to love my mom in a way that I never thought I could and I just appreciate some of our calls and Danielle you know we have a very special person in Danielle here and I just so love you you're such a sweet kind soul and thank you for always turning me back to Jesus so I'm learning things that I would have never learned if I didn't have some of the struggles that I had. It's part of my journey. I didn't want to start off the way that I did, but I did. And my journey helps me to see that I need to get into that house in order for Jesus to heal me. And when I'm healed, I can help other women. I see it when I study the Bible with people and I can relate to them and then it clicks on, oh, that's why I went through that horrible thing so that I can comfort you. In our D times, whenever I can sit across from a woman who's devastated for whatever reason, I can have compassion where I would never have had it. So there's purpose behind my bad day and there's a lesson to be learned and spiritual growth to be had. So, thank you. Thank you, awesome.
Amen. I told you that was moving. Thank you, Vivian, for sharing your heart. And just how we can get close to Jesus again and again and again throughout our lives. That our our sins aren't wasted, our our troubles aren't wasted. And we're going to close out here. Jesus wants to heal us. Not only does he want to forgive us, but he wants us to be healed. We had a story to see how Jesus healed her. How Vivian was healed and that healing was overflowing into her family and into her school and into many of you. And many of you have been those four women that have held up her mat. And she's been one of those that has held up another mat. Truly, that spirit of getting close to Jesus is here. And I pray that today that you can decide to be close to Jesus. You know, Friday after that, I went up to a mountain Saturday after the mother-son thing to really and prayed all the way up and all the way there and all the way back. Because I know that I, without Jesus, I'm nothing. I don't have anything to give that's worthwhile without Christ. My, my sinful nature and my flesh won't help you a bit. And it won't help me a bit. And it won't help my family a bit. But when I get filled up with Jesus, then I'm able to love. I'm able to care because it's not me, it's him. And even what Vivian was sharing, that's not her, that's Christ through her. If you could imagine what it was like to be this man the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Telling the story about his four friends that brought him to Jesus. Telling the story about how Jesus didn't care about anybody in the room except for him. That he was the center of the Lord's attention for that 15 minutes. And he was never the same. Because he walked walked away forgiven before he even got to the ground. But he also walked away healed with a message to share. As we take our communion together, I pray that you can consider the obstacles in your way. The things that are getting between you and Jesus. Sometimes it's even our own thoughts and our own selves. And put those all aside and do whatever it takes. Break through whatever roof you need to break through. Go up to whatever mountain you need to go up to. Stay up tonight as long as you need to do to get what you need from Jesus. In 1 Peter 2, it says that Jesus, in verse 24, and we're going to take our communion here, it says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By His wounds, you have been healed. By Jesus going to the cross, ultimately he took that man's sin to the cross. Through his pain, he allowed him to live and he provided the healing that he needed. And he does the same for us. On the the Last Supper, it says, He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This covenant is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you see our need. That with all the needs that we feel, that you see our need for forgiveness as primary, as, as the most important thing in our lives. Thank you that only you can take that away. Only you can forgive our sins. And thank you for going to the cross to, to show us your love and to give us that freedom and that forgiveness that we desperately need. God, thank you that even more than that, that you, 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 you didn't want to just stop there, but you wanted to heal us as well. You wanted to give us your love and your compassion and your forgiveness and allow us to forgive others in our lives and allow us to live the lives that you want us to live, to die to sin and live for righteousness. God, thank you that through the cross that we can proclaim your death and we can proclaim your resurrection, that we can proclaim our death again to sin and proclaim our resurrection in the end. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.